You're listening to the Go For Growth Podcast with Doug Hall. Hi, everybody. This is Doug Hall, your host for Go For Growth with Doug Hall. And today I'm very happy to have a special guest on, Mr. Russ Schulman, the founder and operator of Sound Bookkeepers here in the Seattle area. So, Russ, great to have you on. Thanks, Doug. I'm glad to be here and excited to get a chance to talk to you and help more people. Awesome. So when I say sound bookkeepers, I think almost everybody knows exactly what you do and exactly what I'm talking about. But what I really <laughs> want you to do, Russ, is, is give me a <laughs> little bit, give so, me a little yeah. bit, give me a little bit more. I mean, what, tell me about how you started the business, when you got it going, what led you into it and what angle are you, how are you approaching? What's your unique spin on helping people with their bookkeeping? Well, um, so, you know, I've mentioned this to you once before, but I'm a big fan of the hero's journey concept that we, we as entrepreneurs, we either choose to become self-employed or something forces our hand. You know, some people get fired, they can't find another job, but they can mow, mow grass or wash a car. So they start their own little thing. And before you know it, they're opening a car wash. Um, so it's, some people just get thrust into it. But, you know, there is this journey that we go on where you start investigating, looking for all the clues that are going to help you be successful. And that was kind of the same for me. I, I came from an entrepreneurial family. My grandfather invented the sandwich bag, and my mom was a bookkeeper. My grandmother was a bookkeeper. And uh, I didn't immediately go into bookkeeping. I actually went into taxation, tax resolution, helping distressed taxpayers deal with the IRS. And then I owned a mortgage brokerage uh, until 2008, which was doing really well and growing. And I was super excited. I had, uh, we did like a quarter billion in loans and over three and a half million in my third year in business. So I was like, yay, I made it to success. And then four months later, the industry just completely lost its integrity. Everything dropped away and I lost 90% of my income like overnight. Over the course of about two months, three months, I saw it all disappear. And, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I have this little talk that I do called the uh, entrepreneur's new clothes. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's essentially like that ego that comes with business owners when they're like, oh, look at me, I'm a business owner. And I kind of had that a little bit until I didn't have my company anymore. And then I was like, oh boy, how am I going to get back to where I'm making enough money to pay all the bills? And that started me on my own journey. I didn't have another choice looking for a job. Everybody was looking for work in 2008. Yep. And uh, so I have an acupuncture degree, so I was kind of like considering that, but uh, I had been inspired with the idea of making a difference for more people than just kind of in a one-on-one format. So I really right. wanted to find something that was scalable where when I helped people with it, it made a huge difference in their life and contributed to them. And I could see myself doing that on a big scale, like nationwide or worldwide and Bookkeeping, thankfully, is one of those things that it'll take all you have and keep asking for more. You know, there's no end to the keeping track of all the numbers for the IRS and for business owners. So that was kind of my inspiration to, to I intentionally chose bookkeeping because I knew that I could do it and do it well and it would make a difference for people. And it incorporated a lot of those things I learned in acupuncture school, like about balancing, you know, balance the books. We've all heard of that balancing Mm -hmm. chi and acupuncture it's the same thing you're looking for areas where things are stuck or not moving and 
helping them move along. And even the interview process is similar. They call it uh, SOAP, Subjective, Objective, Assessment, and Plan. You like ask questions, you look at the patient, you come up with what you think is going on, then you come up with a plan, and then you implement the plan. Is that really any different than what we do in business? Nope, it's really not. So I, I just was able to see that so clearly after coming out of school where I interviewed, you know, hundreds of patients about what's going on with them, having this context already of business because I was in I was in the tax business working full time and going to school full time. So I really had a very unique perspective on it. Um, yep. But even with all of that, it wasn't enough. I still couldn't figure out how to drag myself from very severe debt, you know, back into anything real until I started getting guidance from a lot of different mentors uh, like Seth Godin, Stephen Pressfield, who wrote The War of Art and The Legend of Bagger Vance. He wrote that as well. Um, yeah. Bob Berg, each of these guys, Michael Gerber, you know, they've all contributed to me in different ways and helped me to find the little secret formula that's now doing great. We're award winning, growing, serving customers that are really high level. And I'm super excited about it now. Okay, so you went down the book path, and I normally ask this a little later in the podcast, but if you had to choose your number one recommended growth-oriented book for business leaders, which one pops to the top of your list? That's a really tough one. You know, I, I, it's, a, it's really a toss-up. Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, is great. It's all about systems. But unfortunately, systems aren't good enough if you don't choose the right business. You can build, we've all seen companies where they're making a lot of money, but at what cost? You know, how is, how is the owner looking at themselves in the mirror each day and with a smile and saying, I can't wait to go to work when what they're right. doing at work is destroying the environment or hurting people. So it's like right. really, or, or just something they don't care about. You know, so like I know a guy who's building a, an app that does something. And I said, well, why are you, you know, what's, What's in it? Like, where are you in this world that has you be the one who should be doing this? And it's like, I don't know. It looks like it would make some money. So that's why I'm doing it. How many people oh, get into it for that reason and then end up years later with a successful business they hate? Right. So the E-Myth is great for the systems, but Bob Berg really helped in the, the book, The Go-Giver, really helped me identify that it's really about your contribution to other people, to society as a whole, you know, to be, to, when there's no difference between who you are when you're at work and who you are when you're at home, that's when you're winning. And I think right. that that's really the, the, the thing that started it all for me. I knew how to make money, but, you know, at, at some level in mortgage, making money is always at a cost to somebody. And yep. uh, I was looking for a way to not have it cost anybody anything and still have everybody say, wow, this is such a great thing. And, uh, I love things being right. When I was growing up, I had a lot of hard time with truth. I, was, I wasn't necessarily told the truth a lot as a kid. And so I was always in the investigation of like, where's, where are the real answers here? And bookkeeping, there's nothing more truthful than arithmetic. So yep. to me, that struck my heart in a really big way. And I was able to build the company around that. Excellent uh, choice on Bob Bird's Go-Giver. I, I second that. That's a great book. Thank you. And he's really accessible, too. You can email Bob, and he'll email you back. He's a nice, oh, nice really nice guy, and he doesn't always have the answers. A lot of times he says, I don't know about that one. 
But, uh, you know, still just having them there cheering me on is kind of a nice thing. Very cool. So we know that you're operating within the realm of bookkeeping, but tell us a little more. I mean, do you have any unique angles on that? What does that mean? Do people have any misconceptions about bookkeeping? So just tell us about that service in general. What seems to be most helpful to people and how are you addressing that with your company? Thank you. That's that's such a great question because, you know, bookkeeping is not sexy. Nobody thinks like, wow, I can't right. wait to get onto my computer and start working in those numbers. I mean, some people do, but, you know, they're, they're few and yeah, far between. Most business owners don't care, right? No, business but really, owners, so there's yeah, a difference. There's, there's such a variety of, of things. So when I was in the mortgage business, loan officers were not licensed, which meant anybody could call themselves a loan officer, and you had literally felons who were in, whose felony was around fraud who were calling right. themselves loan officers and doling out million dollar mortgages to people all across the country. Well, eventually Washington state said, you know what, we're going to have loan officer licensing. And when that happened, about a third of the industry went completely away because they couldn't pass the background check or they couldn't pass the qualifying test. In Washington state, there's no licensing for bookkeeping, which means you business owners out there who are listening to this, the person who you have, who's a bookkeeper, most people have no clue whether that person actually is or is not a qualified bookkeeper. They just call themselves that. The real test for me is whether they understand what it means to be a fiduciary and if they hold that in high regard, meaning there's an administrative bookkeeper who just kind of data enters the receipts, maybe files some taxes. And the IRS certainly requires that you keep good records about your income and expenses. So that piece of bookkeeping is kind of the necessary part, like making sure your sinks don't leak. It should be a plumber's number one job. How they accomplish that, certainly that's where the variety starts to come in, but you wouldn't expect somebody to say, your sink is all fixed, but it's still leaking, right? So the administrative no, piece of bookkeeping that. is like, the record keeping has to be done and it has to be done right. But bookkeeping done properly actually makes you money and improves your margins. What most people do is they're so busy doing the work that the bookkeeping is just building up because it's not really necessary or exciting, but that's just the business owner's bad habit that's affecting the way the business should be running because nobody's going to say, I don't really think good bookkeeping is that relevant. Like that would just be, who doesn't want good bookkeeping? It's the right. same as you want your bank to keep track of your money correctly, or you want your doctor to give you factual information about your tests. You know, we're literally talking about the numbers that determine the amount of taxes you give to the government. So we all want that to be accurate, but that isn't the exciting part. To me, the exciting part is where you take that information and you look at it in a way that helps you know what to do in your business, which helps your business succeed. That's the exciting part of keeping track of the records is what you get out of it. I call it the machine called your business. You're looking ahead. You're wondering what's coming up. The only way to know that is to look at the past and see what's already happened and then use what you think is going to happen in the future to predict what you think is going to happen with this data from the past, your predictive analytics. And those are the same numbers that the IRS wants. But the IRS wants total income. They don't care if it was income from services or income from consulting or income from 
you know, producing manufacturing, it doesn't matter to them. It's all income. It's all taxable. But as business owners, we need to know more than that. We need to know our margins, our cost ratios, our debt ratios, our, you know, these are important key factors that business owners are not getting because nobody has what's called the financial planning and analysis department in their small company. The one that actually looks at the numbers and figures out what to do. Nobody's got that. And so that's what I think was really exciting about bookkeeping is being able to offer very in-depth insight into what's going on in your business at basically the the same price you would normally pay a bookkeeper to just keep track of the records because they're really one and the same. So Russ, I commend you for apparently, and and I'm I'm telling you my own reaction. You've actually made bookkeeping sound a little bit exciting. <laughs> oh, thank you. I like it. I love it. Well, good. I'm glad you love it. That means you're called to do it. So, so what is an ideal client look like for you? I mean, how do you figure out where you can have the best impact? And then, you know, so what are the ranges above and below that, however you characterize them? Uh, Yeah, so around this time of year, you know, it's tax time right now. And uh, that means a lot of people are being asked by their accountant, whether it's their new accountant or somebody from last year, they're saying, where are those financials? Where are the numbers that I need from you in order to file these returns? And a lot of business owners are are coming face to face with, "Uh uh-oh, Julia, I didn't really do that. So my phone often rings with people who are, just saying like, hey, I'm really behind. I haven't done anything. My accountant or I need to borrow money or whatever it is. I need my numbers in good shape. Right. I sell facts and freedom, essentially. My best clients are people that have a strong work ethic, a good moral compass. Uh, they're doing something valuable and they have a desire to do even better in some way. Um, people who have doubts and fears and uncertainties about whether they're doing things right, all of these people will make up the bulk of my client base. Because a lot of times it's just, it's more valuable for somebody to know that something is being done right, because then they're not afraid to grow the company out of fear that the thing they thought they were doing wrong could get so out of control that they could lose everything. So just by having me say, hey, I did your return, everything's filed, this is how much you owe, they start to feel like very confident in their ability to go get more work. Or people who, especially with um, like hairstylists, make up a good portion of my client base. I really like working with stylists. And they just want to cut hair and do colors. You know, they don't want to think about the numbers, but sometimes right. their fear of doing it wrong stops them from doing things like selling retail products because they get concerned about the sales tax and how that works. And when I'm there, I just say, no problem here. We do it like this. And then they start selling product and now they're more profitable just because I'm around. And that is, that's the kind of clients that I think then call me and say, I'm so glad I came by your office. I just felt so much better the second I left there. I'm sleeping better now. And all we're doing is really keeping track of things, but it just happens to be the one thing that they're not that good at. So they don't just get their numbers and tax prep, you're, you know, feeding the CPA. They actually get some peace of mind. Yeah, they get so many things like the list of things that I've seen happen. One of the examples I really like to use is this. So I have a client who fixes fire trucks 
on location so that the fire department doesn't have to put the fire truck in a shop to get it fixed. And he fixes the communication equipment between the fire truck and the fire station. Seemingly a pretty important thing to have working, I would think. I so, would right? So the way I feel about it is bookkeeping saves lives. Because my ability to help him stay in business and stay profitable enough to pay his bills means that those fire trucks are getting fixed. I have a yep. client who does hyperbaric chambers. I have a client who does uh, stormwater engineering that helps clean up stormwater that's, you know, accumulating. I have a preschool as a client. Um, you know, these are all businesses that are thriving in the community partially. And you know, I'm not certainly going to take all the credit, but partially in thanks to the fact that I know what I'm doing and they can afford my service and they feel good about it. And those kind of clients seem to be increasing people that are just looking for at least one trustworthy bookkeeper who knows what they're doing and is affordable. And that, oh. that's where I start. I don't even think about anything beyond that. If my services aren't affordable to the masses, then I'm doing something wrong because my goal is to be able to provide it to everyone. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So do you all, do you do all the bookkeeping yourself or do you have staff? Oh no, no, that, that would make me, uh, that would make Crazy. me, I'd need more arms. I think um, you wouldn't have, no, time I have for staff. The, you wouldn't have time for this interview on my great podcast. That's the truth. It's, yeah. Especially during tax season. No, um, so exactly. again, you know, following Michael Gerber's philosophy, I've always been a big believer in building systems and, and processes that other people can follow to produce better results than I can produce myself. So I'm, okay. I'm a, consider myself a really good bookkeeper. And if it was just me and one client, I'd knock it out of the park every time. But if you give me 50 or 60 or 100 clients to work on, there's no way I can deliver that same level of service to all of them. But with my staff, that allows me to do that because most people, most companies, they need a bookkeeper about three to five hours a month. And they need somebody really good who understands their business and can do all these things that we do, but they really only need them like three to five hours a month, especially restaurants. You know, they just vendor bill pay and, and keeping track of food costs are their two prim primary things they need done. Neither of those things take that long, but they just kind of have to be done. So I find a way with enough clients, I can keep adding more and more services and just splitting that up so I can have one person who works on 40 different clients one hour a week. It's still just one full-time employee to me, but everybody gets the benefit of that one person. And um, I, I just keep scaling that way. And it, I don't think that it's going to fail to work because I've built it with those systems in mind. Awesome. So when you think about your business and you've been out there several years now building sound bookkeepers, what's the biggest challenge that you've had in growing the business? Well, you know, finding good people is always uh, a challenge because I think as, as business owners, we want people to work for minimum wage, but produce the work of a $300,000 a year uh, full-time CEO. And so, you know, there's always a balance between those two, what you can afford yep. and what you That's can That's a pretty find. big gap to fill. Right. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, one of the biggest challenges really that I face is that I have a hard time prioritizing making enough time for like meditation, contemplation, you know, thinking about how to answer a particular client's question, uh, 
each of those things to be to really do it in an extraordinary way requires quieting your mind and kind of hearing through conversations you need to have with people and identifying maybe things that you missed that you need to put in place in the next setup that you do. And um, I definitely get my time in, you know, at least a few times uh, a week, good 30, 45 minutes of just sitting. But I, that's really a big challenge to make. I, I think probably more like two to three hours a day of that type of time is beneficial, but it's just really tough to come by. Yeah, I agree. So on the other side, the flip side, what's been sort of your best growth hack? I mean, something that like, wow, when I did this, it made such a difference. Anything come to mind? Definitely one thing that stands out among everything else is um, in my business, and I've seen this in a lot of other people's businesses, you ask somebody, well, what do you do? And they say, well... So I have this program and it's really big and it's very complicated and I probably need to show it to you and it's going to take a while to explain it. And those kind of businesses don't do that well. Uh, in my in my experience, the ones that do the best are just the really simple, regular thing. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody understands why they need it. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you go back to the, the days of the Wild West where there was a cobbler and a blacksmith and, you know, a coal maker... Uh, I think that the reason those things existed is because people needed them. And if somebody needs your service and you do it well at a price they can afford, then you're going to grow because historically that's already been proven. You don't have to reinvent what it is to be a successful auto mechanic. You just open right. a shop, be honest, do good work, make sure you're educated, keep your numbers right, and just keep going and you're going to make it, you know. And uh, that really, that actually is kind of what got me into bookkeeping one day I was in my meditation thinking about my suffering of life and why I didn't have enough money. And my wife had started a preschool working out of the house. She had three kids coming consistently. One of them wasn't paying, but still people were showing up. And I came down from my little meditation area that I had at the time in our attic because I just had to find somewhere to put it. And I said, you know, this is not going to necessarily sound like the nicest thing to say, but I was really being nice about it. I said, I don't understand. I know so much about business and you don't know anything, but you have three clients and I don't have any. So what what do you think I'm doing wrong? And she said, I think you need to do something regular. Because I was trying to be like a business consultant, software guru, extraordinaire, know everything. And right. it's hard to sell that product, you know. And uh, so, so I started this little group after, again, after reading The Go-Giver, I started this group called the Business Owners Insight Group, which is just a free, let's get together as business owners and talk about what it is to be business owners. Yep. And that turned into my first bookkeeping client, which turned into immediately two referrals. And then I thought, you know, I guess I'm just going to be a bookkeeper because it looks like there's a need. And that's, I There's think, if certainly... you start with where is there a need and how does that fit with my heart, that's that's the secret. you got to have both of those things. Yep, that's uh, excellent advice. Where is there a need and how can I serve it? Even Without Michael Gerber, over... you know, yeah, what happened with him that had me see that is after I started hanging out with him a little bit, I thought that we were – you know, going to be building something around his e-myth business systems thing. 
And then one day I heard him uh, explaining on this one video that he had discovered that actually a lot of businesses, they never kind of got in touch with their heart before they started their businesses. And so then even though the business was working, like I said before, it just wasn't that fulfilling. So he started this dreaming room program that he's doing now where he helps people get connected with that. And so I figure if a guy who's the world's, you know, number one small business guru is saying, start with your heart, then I should probably do that. Yeah. I, I think he's credible. I'll give Michael Gerber <laughs> the, his due. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've built sound bookkeepers to a certain level of success right now. So what I'd like to know is what, what do you envision as the next level? What's, you know, in your visionary thinking, what do you see next? Where are you going? Well, so we're trying right now to get aligned with some people who work with self-employed individuals uh, so that we can start providing the bookkeeping services as part of like the HR package. Um, mm -hmm. Sola Salons is one of the places that I'm looking at. Some of the like WeWork or Regis, you know, some of these places where small business owners are coming in. Some of them don't even have their business license yet. So we have a couple small programs that we're going to be offering like uh $200 to get you set up with an LLC and, you know, get your state, your city business license set up, help you get your first bank account. Um, we have our, our, uh, you know, introductory package. So it's like you're a new business owner coming into solo salons as a new stylist. We'll help you get your CRM set up and integrated with QuickBooks and get your categories figured out and make sure your sales tracking is working. And just, you know, trying to get a little bit closer to the river, I like to say of the, the place where people are getting into, I have this need for, for good bookkeeping services, because uh, we're finding people through search engines and, you know, advertising online and whatnot. But uh, really, life is short. I may only have 30 to 40 more years on this planet, and my, my dream's pretty big. So I, I'm looking for ways to get more bookkeeping of our quality into the hands of more people at a higher level. And uh, so that's one of the things that we're working on now. And then also the, the innovative reporting. Uh, like I said, you know, most companies don't have an uh, office manager. They don't have an auditor. They don't have a controller. They don't have a CFO. And the owner acts as a CEO, but they're usually not that well qualified to know what the actual tasks are that the CEO is supposed to do. So what I would like to be able to do and what we're doing for some of our clients as we take all of your QuickBooks data from the previous month, crunch it together into a, a report that actually points out your hedgehog factor, you know, from good to great, um, yep. kind of kind of points out that thing. Just kind of points out that one or two things that you need to do in your business this week or this month that's going to make the biggest difference for you. That could be you need to talk to more clients. It could be you need to spend more on this particular piece of marketing that seems to be working. It could be you need to hire another staff because your productivity is falling and you're under your, you know, your threshold for ratios on, on payroll expenditures. I think that kind of intuitive reporting is really what business owners are looking for. And I, I like to say what I'm creating is Fitbit for your wallet. You should be able to look at any moment in your business and in your finances and identify exactly what the next thing is for you to be able to do. Right now, there's no app that does that. But combined with truthful bookkeeping, we can, um, we can make the QuickBooks app, 
deliver a lot of that information to our clients because we know how to, you know, I'm a data scientist of sorts. I, I, I'm a programmer. So I know how to kind of standardize the, the technology so that it reads across different platforms. And then we can aggregate that information into really intuitive reporting for our clients, which, again, is what a lot of the interim CFOs are trying to do. Right. But the teeny tiny small businesses starting out that are making 100,000 gross they can't even yeah. afford an interim CFO. No, no, and I and I find even companies with five to twenty-five employees still don't get the idea of an interim CFO. They don't, they don't. It doesn't doesn't come naturally. So I think you're, they get their bookkeeper and bridging the gap to that CFO thinking. I think that's a very valuable thing if you can bring them that thinking and get them going there. That's terrific value add. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the key of starting things out. Have a, yep. I, 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 anybody who ever says I can't seem to get going on such and such, all you have to do is show me the problem. I'll get it started immediately. I'm really good at that. So anybody who's sure. in that, like I need to move up the ladder from wherever I am, we're the perfect catalyst to enable people to do that. Excellent. So one of the things that's a challenge in grow, growing a business is uh, sort of the two-sided coin of leadership and management. Um, any particular discoveries in your team uh, or things you've observed with clients in terms of uh, uh, best practices and being a good leader and, and being a good manager? Yeah, uh, I've had the, I don't know if I want to say good fortune, but it is kind of good fortune, but I've had the opportunity to work with some really awful people in my life as employers. Um, and I got to you know see what, not, what it, You know what not to be then, right? Yeah, I know what it looks like to work for somebody who calls their employees names to their face. You know, you jerks, whatever. Yeah. But people who who treat others kindly tend to, to be more successful. Uh, Conscious Capitalism, the guy who started the container store, is a big fan of that organization. And, and, you know, it's all about, like, again, connecting with your heart, doing good in the world and being nice. But that extends to your staff, which to me, I work for my staff. If, they, if, if I'm doing my job right, I'm enabling them to come to work, do their job successfully, and leave feeling like they accomplished something. And so speaking kindly, being responsible for my stuff, you know, not bringing my personality to work uh, in ways that are going to be disruptive to people, setting up my staff for success, and then also dreaming really big, you know, having great visions for the business, but not burdening my staff with too much of that. They don't need to know that I want to open a business office, a bookkeeper slash office manager training institute and what what role they're going to play in that two years from now. That's cool that I know that's going to be happening. My staff just needs to know today's task is this, and this is how you perform that task. And if you do it well, you'll get a raise. They, they prefer that. That's very... I've done the, the wrong part, you know, in the past of... Yeah, you, you've tried the other way, right? Or over speaking or, you know, all the different things. And, yeah, I, I just see that it's the, the people who seem to be the happiest are the ones who are just always nice to everyone. I had this boss, Aubrey, when I worked in the health food stores back in my 20s, and I learned from him to say to people, it would be such a huge favor for me if you could please help that customer. Instead of like, hey, there's a customer over there. Go get them, you know. Uh, <laughs> 
your staff well, is there to help you and they're they're donating their life's energy to your purpose, your mission. And one way you can reward them is by saying please and thank you. Mm-hmm. So if you could think over all the things that have worked for you, things that didn't work for you too, what would be your number one piece of advice for somebody that's building their business? I mean, they're in a growth trajectory. They don't want that growth to stop. They want to keep growing. What, what's the first piece of advice that comes to your mind? Hmm. Well, I hate to be a broken record, but you should definitely know your numbers. <laughs> uh, uh, numbers that's okay. Really I mean, I expect so that from a numbers guy. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Napoleon Hill, I think, has a really great uh, way of looking at that. He says, faith is the only known antidote to failure. And when he says faith, like I used to hear that and think that he was talking about religious faith because he's, he tends to be a little bit heavy on the the his interpretation of Christianity in the Bible. But I don't think that's what he meant. I believe what he meant was that when you can see the future being played out, you see it's going to work. You can see all the pieces happening. That's informed faith. And that is the recipe for success. That's the key to overcoming any potential failures is really being able to see that what you're doing is going to happen. It's going to work. And that's way different than just crossing your fingers and saying, I believe, you know, you really have to be able to see it. And each little thing you do is going to allow you to see that a little bit better. But the thing that seems to be most powerful is when a second set of eyes is looking at the same thing you're looking at. It's like if you're scuba diving with a partner and you see something under a rock and you kind of get your partner's attention and you show them, hey, look at that thing down there and you both look at it at the same time, that creates a shared experience between you and the other person that wasn't there until that second set of eyes, that second conscious, you know, kind of saw that. And um, if you're in a business and you're trying it by yourself, which I did for many years while I was looking for the right partner, um, you know, it's way harder. You kind of have to ask your spouse to believe in you or you have to ask your kids to believe in you or your best friend, or you got to look yourself in the mirror. And when I didn't have people telling me the right things, I used my voice recorder on my phone and I made recordings that said the right things to me. And I would listen to that because hmm. that's that programming, you know, you know, the neuro linguistic programming and uh, oh, yeah. Tony Robbins, the power of questions. These guys are not wrong. The, the power is in really getting that, those good positive messages coming into your mind that you can do it. You can be a millionaire. You can be a billionaire if you want to, or you can serve people at the highest level and trust that the money's going to work itself out as long as you have taken the time to kind of figure out if you can make it work. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's inspiring and practical at the same time. <laughs> it's worked for me. I, we're growing Every year we're growing. I took on a partner last year who uh, is a guy I know from the mortgage industry. And now we're, you know, the same vision. And he's quite successful in his own right. And he looked at what I'm doing and he said, I love what you're doing. It feels good in every way. And I want to help you do this. And that's the, that informed faith then tells me, okay, it's cool to take the next step because I'm hearing, I'm getting the right feedback from my community. Right. right. Well, good stuff. Um, 
thank you for being on today. Any any other parting thoughts before I kind of wrap us up? Uh, yeah, I have one thing that I wanted to mention. So um, there, Jim Rohn has this talk he does about the law of sowing and reaping. Essentially, mm-hmm. if you plant a handful of corn, you don't get back a handful, you get back a bushel. The, the laws of giving to others creates this wave of giving back to you that I call karma harvesting. You know, you just do enough goodness that when it starts to pay off, it pays off in such a huge way that it's way more than you need. And it's a good feeling to know that you've invested so much goodness into your future that now you get to kind of live into that. It's just Mm -hmm. a delightful place to be. And uh, I really want to encourage anybody who's hearing these words to just be a good person. Do something good for the world. Because life is short. Awesome. So one of the little good things that I know you did is you created a business tax guide. And I wanted to slip this in at the end in case folks wanted to read a little bit and get a little bit of your wisdom and advice. So tell us just yeah. a little bit about that guide. So again, Bob Berg has kind of spurred me on to this idea of like, give, give, give. And just trust that it's going to come back to you. And one of the ways that I give is that every year I've been giving out these business owner tax guides. They First it was one page, then it was two pages. And this year I decided to really go all out and I made it into a booklet that's like 25 pages. And each item in there is just one of those things you need to look at as part of your bookkeeping to make sure that it's being done right. Whether you have a bookkeeper or you're doing it yourself or you're not doing it at all. This booklet will help you to go through each thing where you might need to make a mention to your accountant about something you missed or each thing that you should make sure your bookkeeper is being on top of. And you can just cross them off as you go. And it's available in download. I can, uh, the, I think we talked about you're going to put the link up for me. And then yeah, also I, I can to- mail you a copy or you can come by. I also do free consultations. You can go right on my website, sbk2.co. Um, Literally, it's the letters SBK and the number two and then .co. .co. SBK2.co. So you can also get to me by going to soundbookkeepers.com and then it'll redirect you. Um, Or just Google soundbookkeepers. We're we're the top link every time for that. uh, Right. And even... And I think you're technologically able to help people outside the greater Seattle area too, right? Oh, yeah. We can actually... What's nice about bookkeeping is although the state tax filing rules are different from state to state. The IRS is the same everywhere. We do one-off projects uh, all over the country. We have the ability to help people. I have an attorney down in California that I'm working with uh, to do some stuff. And um, yeah, there really isn't anything that you would think of as it relates to numbers and business that we can't either directly help with or put you in touch with somebody who can. I just happen to know all all the people uh, who can do that, those kinds of things for business owners. But I love to offer my free guides to people. We have some other things too, like other offerings that I give to people, uh, again, in that evaluating, diagnosing kind of idea. We do bookkeeping cleanup. We do tax prep. We do our double check service, which is essentially, you think your books are good. Why don't you just let me take a look? I can just give you a quick look over, double check, make sure you haven't missed anything. Uh, we also have our Uh, ongoing service for anybody who just wants regular bookkeeping. We get your books set up nice and clean and perfect. Then we keep them that way uh, all throughout the year. 
These are all services that we offer to our clients. And everything starts with that free, you free guide, or if you want, I'll come in and do the free guide on your business and tell you what I see. And we also offer the free consultations by phone. Excellent. Good. Well, soundbookkeepers.com or sbk2.co or go to resources for CEOs when you find this link for my podcast with Russ. Uh, hopefully there'll be a download link there. I'm going to work with my webmaster to do that and uh, we'll get you guys information out there. So it's been a true pleasure, Russ, to have you on today. Thank you for sharing with us. Thanks. Been able to make it work. Awesome. And I know my listeners out there will have questions, so I hope they get a hold of you directly or through me. I want to share a little help and love out there, and I appreciate your attitude on that. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank Excellent. you. All right. Good. Cool. Thanks, Russ. Have a good one. The Go for Growth podcast is sponsored by Resources for CEOs. We help overworked business owners take back control of their time, build a team-driven company, and multiply profits. Get your free copy of How to Get What You Want from Your Business at resourcesforceos.com slash guide.